0: Chapter thirty one of the Landleaguers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Landleaguers by Antony Trollope. Chapter thirty one. The Galway Courthouse There was a feeling very general in the county that the murder had been committed by the man named Lax, who was known to have been in the neighbourhood lately, and was declared by his friends at Hedford to be now in Galway, waiting for the trial of Pat Carroll but there seemed to be a feeling about the country that florian jones had deserved his fate he had it was said been untrue to his religion he had given a solemn promise to father brosnan of what nature was not generally known and had broken it the bitterness of the orange feud was in his blood said father brosnan but neither did he explain the meaning of what he said as none of the jones family had ever been orangemen but the idea was common about Tuam and Hedford that Pat Carroll was a martyr, and that Florian had been persuaded to turn Protestant in order that he might give false evidence against him. The reader, however, must understand that Florian still professed the Catholic religion at the moment of his death, and that all Hedford was aware that Pat Carroll had broken the sluice gate at Ballintubber. After an interval of two days, the trial was about to go on at Galway in spite of the murder it was quite true that by nothing could the breath of life be restored to florian jones his evidence such as it was could now be taken only from his deposition and such evidence was regarded as being very unfair both on one side and on the other as given against pat carroll it was regarded as unfair as being incapable of subjection to cross-examination the boy's evidence had been extracted from him by his parents and by captain york clayton in opposition to the statements which had been made scores of times by himself on the other side and which if true would all tend to exonerate the prisoner it had been the intention of mr o'donnell the senior counsel employed to defend carroll to insist with the greatest severity on the lies told by the poor boy it was this treatment which florian had especially feared there could be no such treatment now but mr o'donnell would know well how to insist on the injustice of the deposition in which no allusion would be made to the falsehood previously told but on the other side it was said that the witness had been removed so that his evidence should not be given they must now depend solely on the statement of terry carroll pat's brother and who also had lied terribly before he told the truth and he too was condemned more bitterly even by mr jones and his friends in that he was giving evidence against his brother than had he continued to lie on his behalf the circumstances being such as they were it was felt to be almost impossible to secure the conviction of pat carroll for the offence he had committed and yet there were certainly a dozen persons who had seen that offence committed in the light of day, and many others who knew by whom the offence had been committed. And indeed the feeling had become common through the country that all the lawyers and judges in Ireland-the lawyers and judges, that is, who were opposed to the Land League-could not secure a conviction of any kind against prisoners whom the Land League was bound to support. It had come to be whispered about that there were men in the county of Galway, and men also in other counties, too strong for the government men who could beat the government on any point men whom no jury could be brought to convict by any evidence men who boasted of the possession of certain secret powers which generally meant murder it came to be believed that these men were possessed of certain mysterious capabilities which the police could not handle nor the magistrates touch and the danger to be feared from these men arose chiefly from the belief in them which had become common it was not that they could do anything special if left to their own devices but that the crowds by whom they were surrounded trembled at their existence the man living next to you ignorant and a roman catholic inspired with some mysterious awe would wish in his heart that the country was rid of such firebrands he knew well that the country and he as part of the country had more to get from law and order than from murder and misrule but murder and misrule had so raised their heads for the present as to make themselves appear to him more powerful than law and order mr lax and others like him were keenly alive to the necessity of maintaining this belief in their mysterious power the trial came on having been delayed two days by the murder of poor florian jones his body had in the meantime been taken home and the only visitor received at morony castle had been york clayton on his coming he had been at first closeted with mr jones and had then gone out and seen the two girls together he had taken ada's hand first and then edith's but he had held Edith the longer the girls had known that it was so but neither of them had said a word to rebuke him who was it asked ada clayton shook his head and ground his teeth do you know or have you an idea you know so much about the country said edith to you two but to you only i do know he and i cannot exist together the man's name is lax it may be imagined that the trial was not commenced at galway without the expression of much sympathy for mr jones and the family at morony castle it is hard to explain the different feelings which existed feelings exactly opposed to each other but which still were both in their way general and true he was poor mr jones who had lost his son and worse still his eighty acres of grass and he was also that fellow jones that enemy to the land league whom it behoved all patriotic irishmen to get the better of and to conquer florian had been murdered on the thirtieth of august which was a tuesday and the trial had been postponed until friday the second of september it was understood that the boy was to be buried at headford on saturday the third but nevertheless the father was in the assize town on the friday he was in the town and at eleven o'clock he took his place in the crown court he was a man who was still continually summoned as a grand juror and as such had no difficulty in securing for himself a place, to the right of the judge sat the twelve jurors, who had been summoned to try the case, and to the left was the grand juror's box, in which Mr. Jones took his seat early in the day, and Frank was also in the court, and had been stopped by no one when he accompanied his father into the grand juror's box. But the court was crowded in a wonderful manner, so that they who understood the ways of criminal courts in Ireland knew that something special was boded. As soon as Mr. Justice Perry took his seat, it was seen that the court was much more than ordinarily filled, and was filled by men who did not make themselves amenable to the police. Many were the instructions given by the judge, who had been selected with a special view to this trial. Judge Perry was a Roman Catholic, who had sat in the House of Commons as a strong liberal, had been Attorney General to a liberal government, and had been suspected of holding home-rule sentiments. But men, when they become judges, are apt to change their ideas, and judge perry was now known to be a firm man whom nothing would turn from the execution of his duty there had been many judge perrys in ireland who have all gone the same gait and have followed the same course when they have accepted the ermine a man is at liberty to indulge what vagaries he pleases as long as he is simply a member of parliament but a judge is not at liberty he now gave special instructions to the officers of the court to keep quiet and to preserve order the court was full densely crowded and the noise which arose from the crowd was only the noise as of people whispering loudly among themselves the jury was quickly sworn and the trial was set on foot pat carroll was made to stand up in the dock and mr jones looked at the face of the man who had been the first on his property to show his hostility to the idea of paying rent he and lax had been great friends and it was known that lax had sworn that in a short time not a shilling of rent should be paid in the county mayo from that assurance all these troubles had come then the attorney-general opened the case and to tell the truth he made a speech which though very eloquent was longer than necessary he spoke of the dreadful state of the country a matter which he might have left to the judge and almost burst into tears when he alluded to the condition of mr jones the gentleman who sat opposite to him and he spoke at full length of the evidence of the poor boy whose deposition he held in his hand which he told the jury he would read to them later in the day no doubt the lad had deceived his father since the offence had been committed. He had long declared that he had known nothing of the perpetrators. The boy had seemed to entertain in his mind certain ideas friendly to the land-league, and had made promises on behalf of land-leaguers to whom he had long adhered. But his father had at last succeeded, and the truth had been forthcoming. His lordship would instruct them how far the boy's deposition could be accepted as evidence, and how far it must fail and so at last the attorney-general brought his eloquent speech to an end and now there arose a murmuring sound in the court and a stirring of feet and a moving of shoulders louder than that which had been heard before the judge there on his bench looking out from under his bushy eyebrows could see that the people before him were all of one class and he could see also that the half-dozen policemen who were kept close among the crowd were so pressed as to be hardly masters of their own actions he called out a word even from the bench in which there was something as to clearing the court but no attempt to clear the court was made or was apparently possible the first witness was summoned and an attempt was made to bring him up through the dock to the witness-box this witness was terry carroll the brother of pat and was known to be there that he might swear away his brother's liberty his head no sooner appeared as about to leave the dock than the whole court was filled with a yell of hatred there were two policemen standing between the two brothers but pat only turned round and looked at the traitor with scorn but the voices through the court sounded louder and more venomous as terry carroll stepped out of the dock among the policemen who were to make an avenue for him up to the witness-box it was the last step he ever made at that moment the flash of a pistol was seen in the court of a pistol close at the man's ear and terry carroll was a dead man the pistol had touched his head as it had been fired so that there had been no chance of escape in this way was the other witness removed who had been brought thither by the crown to give evidence as to the demolition of mr jones's floodgates. and it was said afterwards for weeks afterwards that such should be the fate of all witnesses who appeared in the west of ireland to obey the behests of the crown then was seen the reason why the special crowd had been gathered there and of what nature were the men who had swarmed into court clayton who had been sitting at the end of the row of barristers jumped up over the back of the benches and rushed in among the people who now tried simply to hold their own places and appeared neither to be anxious to go in or out tear an ages muster clayton what are you after jumping on to a fellow that way this was said by a brawny on to whose shoulders our friend had leaped meaning to get down among the crowd but the militian had struck him hard and would have knocked him down had there been room enough for him on which to fall but clayton had minded the blow not at all and had minded the judge as little making his way in through the crowd over the dead body of terry carroll he had been aware that lax was in the court and had seated himself opposite to the place where the man had stood but lax had moved himself during the attorney-general's speech either with the view of avoiding the captain's eye or if he were to be the murderer of finding the best place from which the deed could be done if this had been his object certainly the place had been well selected it was afterwards stated that though fifty people at the judge's end of the court had seen the pistol no eyes had seen the face of him who held it many faces had been seen but nobody could connect a single face with the pistol and it was proved also that the ball had entered the head just under the ear with a slant upwards towards the brain as though the weapon had been used by someone crouching towards the ground clayton made his way out of court followed by the faithful hunter, and was soon surrounded by half a score of policemen. Hunter was left to watch the door of the court, because he was well acquainted with Lax, and because, should Lax come across Hunter, "'God help Mr. Lax,' as Clayton expressed himself. And others were sent by twos and threes through the city to catch this man if it were possible, or to obtain tidings respecting him. "'A man cannot bury himself under the ground,' said Clayton. "'We have always this pull upon them, that they cannot make themselves invisible.' but in this case it almost did appear that mr lax had the power though pat carroll was not at once set at liberty his trial was brought to an end it was felt to be impossible to send the case to the jury when the only two witnesses belonging to the crown had been murdered the prisoner was remanded or sent back to gowell so that the crown might look for more evidence if more might chance to be found and everybody else connected in the matter was sent home a dark gloom settled itself on Galway, and men were heard to whisper among themselves that the Queen's laws were no longer in force, and there was a rowdy readiness to oppose all force—the force of the police, for instance, and the force of the military. There were men there who seemed to think that now had come the good time, when they might knock any one on the head at their leisure. It did not come quite to this, as the police were still combined, and their enemies were not so. But such men as Captain Clayton began to look as though they doubted what would become of it." if he thinks is big enough to catch hold of terry lax and to keep him he'll precious soon find his mistake this was said by con heffernan of captain clayton end of chapter thirty one